0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, Jimmy'sTable.com. I am your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where we like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode seven, and I want to talk about some tips to save you more money. Specifically, I've outlined seven tips to help you save more money. Money, money, oh, Darn it! I couldn't. I couldn't resist the, the temptation to, to briefly sing. I will. I will back away from the mic cable. It will be okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I just want to talk about seven things to help you save some money today. I just want to give some um, personal, generalized financial suggestions and just make some practical tips out there for uh, those of you who follow this podcast. Uh, I'd like to have some of these type of podcasts every now and then um, because. As much as I like kind of heady theoretical stuff, and we talked about a lot of heady theoretical stuff in episode six about theories of proofs of God and that sort of stuff, um, I, I do like uh, very practical uh, things that have to do with everything, everyday life, um, kind of life hacks sort of stuff. None of The other things aren't important or aren't practical. Um, but I think, you know, we all need some occasional how-to sort of advice on stuff. I know personally I kind of uh, resort to a lot of how-to type things every now and then, especially a big fan of using uh, YouTube um, to kind of look up how-to-cook type videos or uh, how-to-repair something around the house type videos uh, and that sort of thing. So I just want to go ahead and get straight into it today so seven tips to help you save more money first of all just a, an official disclaimer I am an individual who works at a big bad bank my advice has nothing to do with what I do for a living I am a mortgage underwriter analyst uh, for a living at one of the big bad banks so take all my advice with a grain of salt uh, my opinion is not the opinion of my company or any such thing it's just yo hey this is what I have learned to do in life and, uh, and learn to try to do, I can't claim to have it perfected. Um, if you have any questions specific to your situation about investing, saving taxes, uh, estate planning or that sort of thing, I would highly recommend you contact a your lawyer, CPA or other financial advisor investor type person, because I'm not that guy. Uh, I'm just a voice in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, Trying to give some practical financial advice from the way I see things personally. Uh, so I'm just going to put that out there so you don't turn around and you know, find out who my employer is and then try to sue them because you made some you know, bonehead decision based off something I said. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so here we go. Um, I want to help you save some money today and I'm not going to try to pitch you anything. This is not a sales promo. Uh, although there are, just to put full disclosure, there are links in the show notes uh, to some books and other things that I recommend that if you buy through Amazon, I'll get like a small referral fee So I'm just putting that out there for anybody who's kind of curious about that. So hey, if you want to help support the show uh, You know go ahead. I'll get a I think like 2% of whatever you buy from Amazon. So if you buy a $10 book uh, I'm going to get 20 cents. So whew, Hope I don't spend it all in one spot <laughs> So anyway, um When it comes to financial sort of stuff, I don't claim to be an expert, um, but I've read a lot. Uh, It's been something that's been a personal matter to me, especially since I went through my mid-20s in a very perpetually broke state. Actually, I was lucky to be broke when I was in my mid-20s. Usually, I had a deficit at the end of the month, uh, and I had to often rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, Part of that was because I had a very low source of income, but part of it was also I just simply didn't know how to manage my money. Um, In Bible college, uh, about the only thing you ever hear about uh, financial advice uh, and how to manage your money is, "Bless God, you better pay your tithes, or you'll rob God, and your your car will break down as a result of you robbing God, and you may even go to hell." So you know uh, that sort of thing, and that, that was pretty much the extent of it, and. I never really had a lot of financial uh, advice other than, hey, be careful about taking out credit cards. Credit cards are dangerous, Um, so be careful with them and, uh, you know, try not to spend more than you earn. And that was pretty much by my mid-20s about all I knew about finances. Um, Gosh, I wish I would have known a lot more uh, because I got really broke really quick uh, and stayed that way. Uh, for several years. Um, But you know, life changed. Uh, I did have some better employment opportunities along the way that allowed me to actually have a positive balance in my checking account for a change. And uh, I started thinking more about money and how to handle it. Um, So I just want to give these sort of things of how you can save more money. Because I think at the end of the day, I know I've learned in my life that I want to save a little bit more money. Uh, just to kind of, you know, help cover major expenses, to you know, make some additions and remodels to home, to uh, better live a life according to you know financial sense of freedom, uh, versus the uh, constant drudgery that um, balancing your finances become when you're constantly uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul and then uh, sweating and uh, about how you're going to pay the bills and not being able to sleep. at I've learned one thing over the years is that savings will help you get through those periods (laughs) Uh, and you will have uh, a lot lighter burden on your shoulders. Now, wouldn't I say I'm giving financial advice here? I just want to be full disclosure. I am not a Dave Ramsey millionaire. not anywhere close to it. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not broke. I'm kind of in that in between thousandaire sort of thing. You know, so I'm I'm doing okay in life. I, if I lost, I don't live paycheck to paycheck. And if I lost my job tomorrow, um, while I would, you know, quickly be looking for work, uh, my house isn't going to go into foreclosure because I miss a couple paychecks. Um, so I think, you know, I'm probably doing okay with my finances. Um, can always be better, can always improve. Um, and I think, you know, I'm probably kind of in the same boat, um, most of you hopefully are in. Um, But if you're not, if you're a better situation or a more dire situation, uh, either way, whatever situation you're in, I hope you find these kind of financial hacks uh, and advice that I've learned um, over the years to uh, be beneficial. So first and foremost, when it comes to personal finances and saving your money, you'll never save any money if you never track and, and make a budget. So first rule is, track your spending and make a budget and you're gonna learn as you track a budget or you track your expenses and make a budget that your expenses fluctuate from month to month and year to year Uh, some months you'll have a lot more than you expected in the expense category the car will break down Um, something will fall off your roof (laughs) Uh, the air conditioner won't work Uh, johnny will have broken his arm Um, and, you know, just general life-happening sort of things are going to happen. Well, the way you prepare for life is not to um, constantly swipe a credit card and uh, pray to God and beg to people to uh, help you get through the rough patches, even though those things, you know, may be something you actually have to do. Um, And don't get me wrong, I'm not discounting praying to God. Pray to God always. Um, but, you know, this sort of desperate, oh, God, help me with my finances this month. I don't know what I'm going to do. And living in a perpetual state of that, um, you know, if, if you make a budget and track your expenses, if you make a, you know, decent living, as I think most of us make probably a decent living, um, then, you know, you're going to find out those, oh, God, how what are we going to do sort of scenarios are going to generally fade away. Um, and it's not that you're somehow less dependent on God all of a sudden. Rather, you're simply looking to God as your source and your provision, and you realize that God has made you a steward of the finances that he's given you, and you are going to manage them accordingly. And you're going to realize, hey, some months I have a little more money than I realized I would have, and some months I have less. But God has provided so that my months of excess will take care of the months of uh, work. You know, things don't quite balance out. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, track your spending and however you want to do this, that's up to you. Make it your own. Track it if you want, line by line through an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and if, you know, I, I, I did that actually for years uh, until recently I've discovered, you know, a lot of banks out there, they really have great websites and their websites uh, have great tools that allow you to track your spending uh, to the penny and to categorize where you're spending your money and how you're spending it and when it's going to need to be spent again. And, you know, so there's some really great uh, banks out there. And and in my personal opinion, from my experience, it's the big banks, the Wells Fargo's, the banks of America, the J.P. Morgan's uh, of the world that have the better tools. Your local credit union, you know, as great as local credit unions can be, um, tend to not have as sophisticated of... uh, financial software available to their users because, well, they're running a smaller shop and they can't afford to make these advanced budgeting tools. Um, So, you know, I would suggest uh, going with one of the big banks uh, if you need, if you want to. Um, But, you know, there's also apps out there uh, like Mint or You Need a Budget um, that you can put on your phone that also help you organize track, uh, organize your finances and track your expenses uh, to see where you're spending things. Uh, my only uh, thing that I would say with app, uh, apps like Mint and you need a budget is they're not. They don't provide instant tracking. Uh, and in my experience, they tend to actually lag a day or two. Uh, they lag until the banks fully update things and send them an update, um, or until you reload something on uh, their program in order to accurately track your expenses. And I and I learned. From those apps that as good as they can be. If I go spend $150 at the mall and then go out to dinner, it's probably going to be two or three days before Mint actually recognizes uh, that I've spent that money. And I might, as a result, think I have more money in my uh, budget uh, to spend for the rest of the month than I, re- than I uh, actually do. Um, so I would caution the use of apps like Mint or you need a budget, and I would highly recommend you stick with Wells Fargo, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, or, or whoever your bank of choice may be. Um, and I have a preference as to which one you should use, but I'm not going to suggest that because that would be a conflict of interest. <laughs> uh, so, um, but you know, I actually I would recommend you use all of them um, because uh, we're going to get into the next point of uh, the ways to save money, and that is point number two. Pay yourself first and do that by automating savings into separate checking and savings accounts. I recommend that you personally would, as I do, have multiple bank accounts across multiple banks and set it up in such a way that makes sense for you and works for you. But the way that it works for me and uh, my wife is that we have our primary checking account from which we have all of our paychecks go into and that is the checking account that we use to pay all of our bills every month. but then we also have separate savings accounts and um, at, across multiple institutions in which we have set up so that we can pay ourselves first and to put the money in a place that's not easily accessible uh, so that we kind of protect ourselves from ourselves when it comes to the handling of our Uh, personal finances. And I think this is really important. Don't just think we'll all have it all in one place. Um, Because if you have it all in one place, here's the truth. You're not going to get the concept of paying yourself. And if you have it all in one place, you're always going to spend more uh, than you should um, on a month to month basis. And this concept of paying yourself first, I take this from a book Uh, You can get the link to it uh, on the show notes. It's a really old book, actually. It's like over 150 years old, I think. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, And, you know, such a title may sound kind of potentially potentially sacrilegious uh, or blasphemous, uh, depending on your perspective. Um, And, you know, it's almost kind of uh, something that causes me to, you know, pause myself being a Bible college and seminary student and devout Christian um, the richest man in Babylon, that sounds very worldly. Well, you know, in a sense it is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's really aimed at a practical worldliness of how to, you know, manage your money. And one of the first things that it teaches in The, the Richest Man in Babylon, which was, you know, a fiction book uh, that this, somebody wrote in order to teach about general financial principles. Um, and he used uh, a guy from ancient Mesopotamia, that lived in Babylon, in order to illustrate timeless truths, regardless of your time, culture, or situation. Uh, so don't think of it as a blasphemous worldly book. Um, but, uh, you know, they talked about the concept of paying yourself first. Because if you don't pay yourself first, you'll always be paying someone else. Do you get me? If you're always worrying about your bills first and foremost, well, then you will always worry. About your bills first and foremost. Oh yeah, and as a caveat on a side note, let me just say: if you believe in giving and believe in tithing and stuff, go ahead, give and tithe of your first fruits and all that sort of stuff first. Okay, you know, religious principles first, of course. Um, but when we actually talk about getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, anything beyond uh, giving, tithing, or you know, whatever you want to call it or however you practice uh, your charitable giving, pay yourself first. You know, after you, you practice your religious devotion with your money. Um, because, if, like I said, if you don't pay yourself first, you'll always be paying somebody else. And the greatest way to practice paying yourself first is to do so by setting up automatic drafts into savings and checking accounts at other banks from that are separate from your primary checking account that you use to pay your month-to-month bills. Um, and i found this to be very important, especially in my life. Uh, my wife and I, and our, our first Christmas together, uh, after we got married, um, we found that we ended up blowing the Christmas budget. Uh, we hadn't been setting aside money specifically earmarked for Christmas. We just looked at our checking account and said, hey, there's X number of dollars in there, and started running checks. And then, oh, well, you know, we need more than that, so let's swipe the credit card. Um, and we quickly got uh, a little exuberant. Uh, with our, <laughs> our first Christmas budget, which only happened uh, three months uh, after we were married. And we ended up blowing a lot of money right out the gate from uh, when we first got married. So that was not a lot of fun. And we had some really hard, tough conversations and, and thought of practical ways uh, to solve this problem. And, and I was you know, reading some financial stuff at the time, and, and I came up with the idea of, well, let's set up a Christmas and gift-giving account. And my wife and I now, since we have been married, um, we have set up uh, shortly after we got married, rather, um, and spent a lot too much money at Christmas, um, we set up a separate checking account at another bank, and every month we take X number of dollars from our primary checking account, and we automatically transfer it to this account that we've designated just strictly for Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries and weddings, and you know whatever other celebration that may come up that involves giving a gift to somebody else, we have this account, uh, and it's it's a it's kind of an old idea, a quote unquote Christmas account. Banks used to advertise these years and years and years ago, back when they needed your money and interest rates were you know five, six, seven, eight, nine percent. But they don't advertise such things uh, anymore. However, I think that concept is still a very applicable and practical thing, and it's something you can do so that instead of wondering um, how you're going to pay for Johnny's birthday and how you're going to to pay for Christmas, well, if you just take a little bit out of your regular checking account every month after you've made a budget and set aside $50, $100, $200, $300, what whatever amount's comfortable for you and works on your budget, and just constantly put this money away um, for Christmas and Birthdays and you know gift giving in general, um, you'll find, or hopefully you will find, if you can you know still maintain some discipline, that there's always more than enough money to pay for Christmas. Uh, there's always more than enough money to pay for Johnny's birthday. Those those things happen like clockwork. Treat them like bills, um, and treat them and set them up so that you know you're saying, hey, this is something that's important to me, and it's something I want to take care of for myself. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and set up multiple accounts like this. I'm going to set up a Christmas savings account. I'm going to set up um, a car repair account. I'm going to set up, um, you know, a a vacation account. Uh, You know, however many accounts you want to set up, you know, just make sure you're first and foremost thinking of paying yourself first and moving that money into separate accounts at separate banks so that you can't easily touch it. Uh, Because I've learned one thing over the years is... um, I am my worst enemy when it comes to managing uh, my personal finances and the finances of our house. Um, so I need to do things like hide money from me. And I need to do things like pay me first. Um, because if I don't, there will be no money left over. Um, so, you know, work around yourself in this regard. And make sure you pay yourself first. So, okay, after uh, paying yourself first, n- point number three... If you are in debt, and by debt I mean any debts outside of your mortgage, any debts you have like auto, credit card, medical bills, student loans, after you've paid yourself, um, pay off your debts. But do this also while building, continuing to build your savings account because this keeps in mind the first idea, uh, or the second idea rather of paying yourself first. So while you're paying yourself first, also pay off your debts. Um, and, and I want to say this is kind of something that maybe if you've been like through Dave Ramsey, uh, through the to- total money makeover, who's, whose book I recommend. I have some real problems with some other things Dave Ramsey teaches, by the way. And, and one day I hope to kind of have a podcast dedicated to a Dave Ramsey detox class. Uh, Cause I think there are some things we need to unlearn from Dave Ramsey. However, That aside, Um, you know, I think, you know, Dave Ramsey's concept of setting aside $1,000 and then after that $1,000, knocking down your debts aggressively. um, And then if a $1,000 emergency arises, well, you replenish your $1,000 account and pay off your emergency and then continue knocking down your debts. I think that can be good. But personally, as having been someone who's tried to do that, I don't think it's very practical and I think it's actually very impractical advice. I think you need to both continue to save money. So let's say you have uh, $10,000 in credit card debt. Um, well, while you're paying, you know, your regular credit card payment on top of it, let's say you have an extra 500 bucks a month um, to pay beyond the minimum credit card repayment. Well, go ahead and take that extra 500 and divide it in two, take 250 of that, Pay it towards your credit card. Take 250 of that and put it towards your savings. And here's why. Because I've found when you just try to keep your cash level very thin and $1,000 is a very thin cash level uh, for any given month um, to have as just kind of side money. I've found that there's always going to be an emergency uh, at least once a year or every other uh, or several times a year that's going to ultimately attack that $1,000 uh, that you have saved up uh, for emergencies. And if you're having to constantly start, stop, start, stop, start, stop in regard to your $1,000 um, you know, emergency fund while you also attempt to pay off your debts, you're going to find that you're constantly starting and stopping and replenishing that $1,000, and you're not going to make too much headway um, in paying down your actual debts. So I personally recommend and have found it prudent to do is that while you're paying off your consumer debt, your your cars, your credit cards, your medical bills, um, your student loans and things like that, that take that extra surplus that you may have, put half towards paying down additional debt and half towards savings. Because what's going to happen is while you're knocking down your savings, or while you're knocking down your debt slowly but surely, you're also increasing your savings And you have a little more room every single month for um, when bad things happen and life gets in the way. Um, When the unexpected happens or, you know, you get a little sloppy in your handling of your money and you end up paying, uh, you know, end up blowing it on something else than you should have. Um, You know, you you need that little extra cushion beyond the thousand dollars. And then... You know, if you if you get, like, let's say you start off with $1,000 and you eventually get to the point that you have $5,000 in there and you're still trying to pay off other debts, well, I would recommend just also occasionally just say, hey, I'm going to throw an extra 1000 at my debt every now and then because I can afford that. I have this little extra cushion. Um, so that, that's my personal recommendation. Um, so pay off your debts, absolutely. Get gazelle intense, uh, as Dave Ramsey says, and, you know, have that emergency savings um, for when Gravity ultimately happens and uh, the worst case scenarios of life uh, rear their ugly head. Um, but don't just throw all your spare savings into debt retirement because this is what's going to happen. You're going to have that $1,000 on the side and life is going to happen and you're going to realize, oh, crap, I need more than $1,000 to, you know, rebuild my engine on my car uh, because I have a Dave Ramsey car. My Dave Ramsey car is definitely going to need an engine rebuild sometime. <laughs> um, so, you know. While you're paying off your debts, continue to put like you know an extra couple hundred dollars into your savings so that when something truly catastrophic happens, you don't have to dip back into your credit card to get through the hard spot. Because if you just have $1,000 that Dave Ramsey recommends you have on the side, um, if you haven't been able to pay off all your debts uh, and you need to you know all of a sudden find money, well, the only money you're going to have is the $1,000 plus your credit card, Well, my personal guess is that 9 times out of 10, once you've gone past that $1,000, you're going to not know where you're going to get the rest of it from. And you're going to end up swiping your credit card. And you're going to be back in the same rat race forever. And you're going to be stuck on baby step number 1 or 2 or whatever it is for a really long time. Uh, So, you know, and this method may ultimately result in a little bit slower of paying off your debt and you may, you know, have to pay more in interest as a result. Um, But I think there's going to be more peace of mind um, while you both simultaneously retire debt and build your savings. Um, Because when you occasionally have a little bit more beyond that thousand dollars in your checking account, well, you're going to tend to sleep better at night uh, and you're going to have a better peace of mind and you're going to be better equipped uh, for life's happenings. You're not going to be strapped for cash for Or when you actually need cash. Um, So that's my recommendation on that particular issue. So the next thing is uh, suggestion number four. Not only have the separate accounts that you have, like I talked about earlier. um, But make your savings really hard to access by actively investing it. Because at the end of the day, savings accounts, they pay nothing. The best online savings accounts today are maybe like the one, one and a half percent interest, um, which, you know, means inflation is actively destroying your savings account and all the money you've worked hard to stash away. Inflation is destroying it. Um, so I would personally recommend that, um, when it comes to your thousandaire lifestyle, (laughs) like mine, (laughs) um, that, uh, you, um, when you're you're saving your money, that you um, keep, you know, maybe a couple grand in cash, and you'll have to decide what works best for you. Keep one, two, maybe three thousand dollars in liquid cash in your checking account, so that you can always write a check and cover some unforeseen expense. Um, but anything beyond an immediate, uh, um, you know, circumstance like that, I would say, if you have like more than five grand, you should have everything above that five grand stashed away in a very conservative mutual fund, a bond fund, uh, you know, a broad S&P index ETF type thing, you know, and actively put your money to work um, because one of the great things about uh, money (laughs) is that you can put it to work. And when you put it to work by investing it, it ends up returning, um, you know, more money than um, you you would have otherwise and it's working for you instead of you working for your money as some people would say um, so you know look and you know talk to your financial advisor talk to somebody at a bank um, that is an expert in this talk to your lawyer talk to your CPA uh, you know see what's good for your tax situation as well me personally I have a uh, mutual fund that I put a certain amount of money into Um, beyond uh, an initial uh, emergency fund that I keep in my checking account. I put all that money in just kind of like a a bond yield, a high uh, bond yield uh, sort of stock. And I'm getting, I think, like 5% yield as a result. And my capital is safe. Uh, And, well, I mean, it's not fully safe. It could all disappear tomorrow. If, you know, the economy turns south and everybody was found guilty of accounting fraud and that sort of thing, which is, you know, something that could happen. Um, However, in the extreme unlikelihood that such is going to happen, (laughs) um, and that the world just, you're going to have bigger problems in this world happening beyond that if if such a thing is happening. Um, But, you know, if if you can do something like that, uh, you're really going to be putting your money to work, your savings to work. And you're not going to be aggressively investing in the hot stocks of the day and and Bitcoin and, you know, chasing amazing uh, growth stocks and penny stocks and stuff like that. No, you just want to put your money to work and put it somewhere safe where you can preserve your capital while, you know, getting a little bit of return on your money so that, you know, in in 10 years, if you have, you know, something uh, that's at 5%, well, you'll have... uh, You know, I would have to do the math exactly, but you'll probably have doubled your savings in 10 years um, by doing something like that. So, you know, put that money beyond what you need to have for emergencies, immediate emergencies, uh, somewhere where you can't access it easily. And if you put it in something like a a bond fund or an ETF or mutual fund or whatever, you know, you're going to have to sell your stock or your mutual fund. You're going to have to pay a transaction fee. And you're going to have to wait three days for the funds to settle. And then you're going to have to transfer. So, you know, you won't be able to access that money easily. It'll take you a week uh, probably to really be able to access it and everything to settle. Um, so, you know, if you really need that money, uh, you'll have to really think about it and get, you know, do something significant to get it. And so you won't just, you know, flippantly spend it uh, on every little, you know, $5 latte <laughs> along the way. Uh, and you won't be able to just easily transfer it from one bank to another. It'll be stuck in an investment. Um, and I think that's a great place to have it. Um, because chances are you're probably not going to need that sort of cash, uh, you know, right away. Um, and if you do, well, you know, if you have a credit card, which I recommend keeping one just in case of a rainy day, um, you know, you can swipe your credit card to cover a temporary expense and then go liquidate your stock and use that to, um, you know, pay off your credit card, uh, right away. Um, as soon as you, as soon as the money hits the bank. So, uh, you know, that's my recommendation on that sort of little like life hack. So, uh, next, uh, life hack uh, tip for increasing your savings. Point number five, make yourself uncomfortable. If you're saving right, you should feel a little uncomfortable from the aggressiveness of your savings. Live modestly and frugally. Live below your means, not within your means. And let me say that again. Live below your means and not within them because that's not the same thing. Um, living within your means means next month you're probably going to be broke. <laughs> you're going to have $1,000 of additional expenses beyond your normal budget and um, you're going to be back to paycheck to paycheck living and on your way to the poorhouse very soon. Um, so don't Live within your means because you'll always, you know, eventually get to the point where you're going to be outside your means. Uh, but build some margin in your life, build some some barriers between you and financial oblivion. So as a result, you should live below your means, uh, and by living below your means, you'll safely be able to save every single month, um, or hopefully every single month, because you're always going to have a little bit of a cushion between you. In your balance sheet that you are um, keeping and tracking in regard to your monthly expenses, um, and by living in, in some ways, you can live below your means. Well, don't always buy the latest and greatest thing. As soon as the as soon as the latest iPad or iPhone come out, don't go get it. Uh, in fact, if you really want to live below your means and stay, you know, more reasonably within your buzz- budget, you know, buy used technology or by second-hand technology that's like a generation or two removed uh, sort of thing. You know, like currently, I think there's an iPhone X out. Well, I'm still on my iPhone 7 and I've actually already paid off my iPhone and I'm due, according to Verizon, uh, for another iPhone. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still going to wait and actually I'm going to wait until they have an iPhone 5G phone come out. Um, and that when 5G is all well established, then I'll probably upgrade my iPhone. Um, but for right now, I'm using one that's two or three generations old now, um, and it's not costing me a thing, and it still works pretty much as well as the day I got it. Um, so I have that going for me. Next thing would be if uh, you're wanting to live below your means, buy gently used highly reputable cars, like things like Honda Accords that... Preserve the value, run well, uh, and something that you, you know, will likely get well over 250,000 miles out of uh, before you need another one. Buy a car as something that's purely existing to get you and your family safely from home to work to school to church and to daily life activities. You don't need the latest and greatest car. Buy one that's at least always two or three years old. Unless you're absolutely rolling in dough, and this is something I completely agree with on Dave Ramsey. Uh, Unless you're absolutely rolling in dough, you have zero business ever buying a brand new car. Your car, when you buy it, should always be two or three years old. There maybe should be a slight scratch or dent somewhere on it because it's been gently used um, and people have been living in it and that sort of thing. Because you know, a used car, isn't necessarily better than i I'm sorry, a new car isn't necessarily better than a used car. New cars break down all the time too. Uh, there are bad parts uh, and new cars just as old cars. Um, so I would suggest buying a gently used car and then, buy, and then drive it to the point uh, to where either you can buy another car in cash um, straight off another used car dealer or um, to the point where you're spending more in repairs than you would if you were floating a um, small monthly car payment. Um, so and then if you have to take out a small loan uh, for, you know, two or three years in order to cover that car payment, um, you know, that's okay. You know, Dave Ramsey might not forgive you, but I will because it makes sense to do so uh, when you actually look at the math and think about uh, reality. But anyway, I won't get too distracted by that. The Dave Ramsey detox class will come. Uh, so you know do things like that buy used things on eBay um, this podcast that I recently started up I bought this blue Yeti microphone uh, that I'm speaking into right now it cost me $60 to buy used on eBay that means somebody else's mouth has been here before mine using it they promised they didn't use it much but who knows right Um, But, you know, the $60 microphone is a lot cheaper than if I bought a brand new one. I think when I looked into buying a brand new microphone, it was going to cost like uh, $120 or something like that. Well, I didn't want to spend $120 on a microphone, especially because I wasn't sure how long this podcast thing is going to last for. Uh, Right now, it's kind of just a little hobby I have going for me. Um, So, you know, don't go and just buy the latest and greatest stuff. The latest and greatest stuff will eat away at your savings and get you living paycheck to paycheck, and it'll send you to the poorhouse really quick. So be practical, be frugal, buy used. Um, don't buy the latest and greatest. Don't have the latest and great greatest brand names. Like I've never owned a pair of. Uh, Nike shoes that I can remember of. I've never owned a pair of Air Jordans. Would I like a pair of Air Jordans? Sure, especially after I went to Chicago and went to the Nike store and saw his airnesses, all his shoes that he had worn over the course of his career. I was like, man, I would like to have me one of those. And that's exactly what Nike wanted me to think. <laughs> uh, but to this day, I'm still just buying uh, Clarks, uh, New Balance, and you know, lesser. Uh, fancy shoes that don't that you know cost well under a hundred dollars uh, you know I, I go for like the50 dollars range when I buy a pair of shoes um, and I try to do cheaper if I can so anyway so point number six have goals know what you're saving for uh, you know when you live your life intentionally and purposefully and have a purpose and a reason behind what you're doing you'll motivate yourself and it won't seem like such a big deal to give up those those luxuries and to live below your means. Um, Cause you know, at the end of the day, you need to put your money uh, to work and you need to have a purpose for your money and not a purpose just to pay bills, um, but a, a, a money so that you can accomplish the things you wanna accomplish with your life, to enjoy the hobbies you can enjoy, uh, to, to use your money uh, charitably to help others, uh, to benefit others, um, to accomplish major purchases and just all that sort of stuff. So, so think of some deep purposes um, because purpose is ultimately one of the most powerful uh, catalysts in the world and it'll propel you to new heights uh, and other wonderful, you know, sayings <laughs> you, you can insert about purpose. Go go Google, you know, inspiring purposeful quotes and see if you can't get your uh, effect, won't get your, uh, your uh, fire going um, underneath you. So uh, you know, do things like make it your goal to, you know, increase your savings so you can buy a used car in cash and not have to have a car payment month to month, so that you can live debt free, um, so that you can better use your money for other purposes other than paying somebody else and allowing them to get rich off your money. Um, allow it so that you could say, hey, I want to use my money so I can invest in, and you know, just better my lifestyle um, because my lifestyle right now is not where I want it to be. Um, and, and I don't say that as somebody who's encouraging you know the accumulation of wealth so you can just you know spend it lavishly and on all the the wonderful things that Dave Ramsey tries to tempt you to to, <laughs> to living with no 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 uh, and again I'm not trying to hate on Dave Ramsey but the Dave Ramsey detox class is coming with it um, <laughs> so you know but you know have purpose with your money you know do it so that you can live the life that you want to live the, a life that God would honor um, and a life that you know is free hopefully from financial burdens and crushing debt um, and never being able to, to pay your bills um, you know make those important goals in your life so that you can have the things that God wants you to have uh, in your life and there are things God wants you to have God wants you to have food and clothing and shelter uh, He wants you to be able to, to provide for your family um, and you're never going to be able to do that if you're not saving and setting aside money uh, and putting your money to purpose. And and point number seven, I'd just like to say, is last in my list of things you can do to save your money. But it's not the least. In fact, I would almost say it would should probably go back before point number one. But I just wanted something to round this out here. Uh, so last but not least, live and give generously. You can't spend money that you're giving away. Um, and Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. So, do that. Make that a high priority in your life. Give money to your church. Give money to charities. And give money to people. Uh, put your money to use into the community so that others can benefit from the blessings that God has given you and the finances He's made you ultimately uh, a steward of. So, that's point number seven i just like to close out by saying thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Again, these are my personal opinions, not the opinions of the big bad bank that I work for. Uh, you know, seek the, the advice of a CPA, lawyer, and other financial professional regarding all investments, taxes, and blah, blah, blah. You know, you get the drill. <laughs> um, and also, be sure to check out the show links or the Jimmy'sTable.com uh, table.com. Uh, website where I have links to stuff regarding Dave Ramsey, some personal financial blogs and forums that I like, um, some software that'll help you develop uh, a budget uh, and that sort of thing, and some other tools. Um, so definitely check that out, jimmystable.com. Uh, and if you like this, this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Uh, it's found on iTunes, Spotify, and a number of other places. You can subscribe at the jimmystable.com website or through the various software uh, and all those uh, sort of places. So anyway, I hope you're having a good day and take care and God bless everybody.